is such an honor and a privilege to be able to give to the kingdom. The kingdom that has changed our lives. That has picked us up and turned us around. And all the wonderful things that we've experienced because we are a part of the kingdom of God. So, Lord, it's a privilege for us to be able to give back to it. I pray, God, that you would honor each one who places their tithe or their offering into the basket today. And I pray that your blessing would come down upon them. You would rebuke the devourer for their sakes. And you would cause the windows of heaven to be opened upon their lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. They're going to serve you this morning. I uh, I thought I would, uh, it's Mother's Day and you've got to read a, f- a few Mother's Day things, right? It wouldn't be Mother's Day if we didn't do that. So I wanted to share uh, a little motherese, which is language, language common to mothers. I want to share a little motherese with you t- this morning. We've all heard this. This is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. The devil is a lie. <laughs> or I'm doing this because I love you. Or if you if you played your cards right, you might get your mother to say this. Never mind, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> no sense crying over spilt milk. I'll give you something to cry about. That famous, that famous sentence intro that said, when I was your age, my mother told me this one time. She said, when I was your age, if I'd have done that, I'd have been scraping myself off the wall with a spatula. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else heard that. I'll treat you like an adult when you start acting like one. You're going to drive me to an early grave. That's what you get for not listening. Oh, and this was the prophecy. None of us, we didn't think much of it at the time, but now it's come back to haunt us. Just wait till you have children of your own. (laughs) If your friend had jumped off the bridge, would you do it too? And that that last one's so wonderful. If you fall off that swing and break a leg, don't you come running to me. Things our mothers have said. Things our mothers have said. And uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I had somebody to tell me things like that. Because at the end of the day, I know she did it because she loved me. And, uh, and I am so glad to be here today worshiping with you, celebrating mothers with you, and lifting up our great and mighty God with you. Doesn't it just feel good today at Sanctuary Church? It sure does. If you're a guest here today, we're so glad that you've joined with us and that you're worshiping with us. Would we give all of our guests a hand? Thank you so much. You've honored us today. At the conclusion of the service this morning, we do have some giveaways, some things we're going to be giving, uh, and some drawings. And so uh, if you have somebody try to just kind of bump you if you're a guest and they don't know your name and they're trying to figure out your name that's what it's for they're not trying to to rob your identity or anything like that if they ask for a social security number i'd get a little concerned but if not it's going to be okay this morning we're so glad you're here god bless you i'm so thankful uh we've got sister Lindsay flannery is going to come sing this morning a song i've asked her to sing i think it's going to bless you why don't you let her know you appreciate her Praise the Lord. Happy Mother's Day to all of the beautiful mothers here this morning. The song I'm about to sing is about trusting in God. And I know for me, being a mother has opened my eyes to the importance of trusting in God. I trust Him for everything. And I know that anything that you're going through, whatever you may be facing, why not trust God again? He'll never fail you. problems wait 
you can walk with him and he'll bring you through. Come on and give him praise. Let's stand our feet and give God praise together. Can you do that? Thank you so much for that, Lindsay. Would you just let her know? Amen. We're going to let nursery be dismissed at this time. If you would like to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter number 2. If you have a child that's about 3 or under and they'd like to go to the nursery, it's second door to the right in the foyer. And they are more than welcome to go back there. Exodus 2 is where we will be reading from today. I will make an apology in advance for the fact that I am dealing with the same stuff that probably most of you are. So if that affects my voice this morning, I do apologize for that. I was remembering last year at Mother's Day... Folks, it was a miracle I made it here last year for Mother's Day. We drove. I was with Travis Tadlock flying from Colorado, and there was a whole lot of things that happened. And long story short, the closest they could get us was Houston, Texas. So we flew to Houston, Texas instead of Little Rock and rented a car and drove all night long and got here uh, about 8 o'clock in the morning, if I remember right. And um, we had a wonderful Mother's Day service. The Lord showed up and helped us. And I am so very thankful for that. But I am very thankful to have an uneventful, as far as for me, Mother's Day this year. And, uh, and it, that, that is a, a welcome change. I've told the church, if anything weird is going to happen to me, it's going to happen the Sunday of Mother's Day. And I've got just experience after experience that I will not bore you with today. But it would be this day. So I'm glad. It's all gone fairly smooth. Amen. Exodus 2, beginning with verse number 1. I'm going to (laughs) preach from a very familiar story, very familiar Mother's Day story, but it's what I felt directed to today. The Bible says, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what should be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages." And the woman took the child and nursed it. That's his mother. (laughs) And the child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. I'm preaching to you today from this subject. Moses' mother built an ark. Moses' mother built an ark. Could you just... I know we prayed and all those things, but could you just take one more moment right now and ask God to bless the preaching of his word today? We will give you praise and glory for all that you're going to accomplish here. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. 
Joseph was the dreamer. Not only was he a dreamer, but he was an interpreter of dreams. And it was through the purposeful ordering of the hand of the Lord on his life that he became the second man in all of Egypt, outranked only by Pharaoh. This same Joseph, this same Joseph is the one that brought to Egypt his father, his brethren, and all that pertained to them. At that time, there were not an extremely large family. The Bible tells us that there were only 70 of them all told. And at that particular time, times had been rough. And food was scarce. And everybody in that part of the world had become, for the most part, dependent upon Egypt for enough food just to stay alive. They were in a famine. As a matter of fact, it was this exact famine that Joseph had declared to the Pharaoh that was quickly approaching that had put him in this position that he was now the one responsible for seeing to it that their surplus, surplus they had been storing up for some seven years was distributed appropriately among not only the Egyptians but among their neighbors as well. What had precipitated this was the night that Pharaoh had had a dream. As he was laying in bed that night, he had a dream, and his dream troubled him. He dreamed that there were seven well-fed cattle that came up out of the river. Those cattle began to feed in a meadow, and they were very healthy-looking. They were very pleasant-looking cattle. Then seven very malnourished cattle, they also came up after them out of the river, And those seven malnourished cattle did eat up the seven well-fed. And then he dreamed a second dream that night. And in it, he saw seven ears of corn come up on a stalk, one stalk. They were good-looking ears of corn, the kind you want for family reunions and backyard barbecues. Put on the grill with a lot of butter on them and a little flavoring on them. Excuse me, I diverted just a little bit. Then there were seven thin ears of corn that sprung up after those, and those seven thin ears devoured the good ears of corn. And there was something about this dream, something about it was so strong, it was so, uh, it was so moving to him that Pharaoh did not, feel, did not feel that this was just any dream. This was not because he had some pizza too late before going to bed. He said there's something about this dream that makes it unique. So... He, because of this sense of urgency, he called that morning, he called for all of the diviners in his kingdom. He called for all the wise men from all over Egypt to come to his palace. And he asked them, he told them the dream, and then he asked them, what do, what do my dreams mean? But after asking all of them, there was none that could discern the interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams. Standing nearby was a butler. This butler was a unique individual. Only two years earlier, he had spent time in prison. And suddenly, he remembered that in prison, there had been a young Hebrew boy, a young man, that had interpreted a dream that he had had. He had dreamed that uh, he was, again, that he had brought some wine to the king and Joseph told him, he said, your dream means that in three days you're going to be restored to your position and you will again be butler to the Pharaoh. And so when that came to him and none of these others could answer what the meaning of the dreams of Pharaoh were, he told him, he said, let me tell you, sir, about a Hebrew by the name of Joseph. He's in the prison right now, but that young man... He interpreted my dream, and he was absolutely correct. And he interpreted the dream of the baker, and he was absolutely correct about his too. (coughs) And I think that it's possible that he could tell you the meaning of your dream. So immediately the Pharaoh sent for Joseph. And they went and they got him, and they had him clean up. And and he was... uh, made him more well presented. And he came and he stood before the Pharaoh and... Pharaoh said, this is what my dreams were. I saw seven well-fed cattle come up out of the river. They were eating. And then seven 
ill-favored cattle came up after them, and the ill-favored ate up the well-fed. And then I dreamed there were uh, seven good ears of corn that came up on one stalk, and then seven uh, sickly ears came up, and those sickly ones devoured the good ears. And, And that is my dream. Can you tell me, Joseph, can you tell me, young man, what do my dreams represent? Joseph told him, he said, Pharaoh, what that means, the Lord has given you an an insight into the future. And what it means is that there's going to be seven years of plenty that are going to come to Egypt. The crops are going to to just really bring forth abundantly. And it's going to be absolutely amazing the way that God is going to provide in the seven years of plenty. He said, but... After those seven years, there's going to be seven other years that are going to come up, and they're going to be years of famine. And if you're going to make it through the seven years of famine, you're going to have to store up enough surplus in the good years to make it through the bad years. He said, that's what is going to happen, and what you need to do is you need to get somebody and hire them and place them over the seven good years and let them gather and build barns and put stuff... Uh, away so that when the bad times come, we'll have what we need. Let me stop for a moment and preach and tell you, whenever God takes you through a place of blessing, you better stop and get everything that you can while you're there. Whenever God says, I want to take you through a valley that is filled with lush grass, you better, you better make sure you're getting everything you can while you're there. Because I'm going to tell you this morning that one of these days you'll wake up and you'll be in a different kind of valley. And there won't be as much there. And you're going to find that if you're going to make it through that valley, you're going to have to have something to reach back and get a hold of that God has given you in the times of plenty. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not forget to set things aside when God has been good to us. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. The rest, of course, as they say, is history. Pharaoh made Joseph his second in command over all of his empire. He gave him the task of preparing Egypt for what was inevitably coming down the road. And that's what Joseph began to do. And he began to put all these things together so that eventually people were coming from far reaches just to get enough food to live and just to have something to survive on. And one day he looks up as some men come before him to ask for some food. And he recognizes that these are not just any men These are his brothers who had sold him into slavery years earlier. And now they've come with their hat in hand to ask food for their families. This was the fulfillment of the dream that Joseph had. After a series of tests and pressure that he placed upon them, trying to find out if there had been any change in them, finally he revealed himself to them And there was a joyous reunion that took place. Joseph had such a relationship with the Pharaoh that when the Pharaoh found out, this good Pharaoh, when he found out what had happened, he had taken such a liking to Joseph that he insisted. He said, I want you to take wagons and I want you to go back to where your father is. And I want you to get your father and I want you to get your brothers and their families and everything that pertains to them I want you to get them and I want you to bring them back to Egypt. And when they get back to Egypt, I am going to give unto them the land of Goshen. It'll be theirs. It'll be the suburb of Egypt and it will belong completely to them. And so that is what happened. Joseph went back. He he got his father. There was was just a fantastic uh, reunion that took place between them. And Jacob wept and Joseph wept and... They got everything and they came back to Egypt. And for a time, everything was just fantastic. It was wonderful. They were taken care of. The hand of God was upon them in a mighty way. It seemed like everything that they did prospered. Everything they touched turned to gold. It reminds me of a song that came to me by Israel Houghton. He wrote a song and he said, When God is in it, there is no limit. When God was in it, there is no limit. Because Egypt was not the land of their promise. It was not the place they wanted to be. Yet, when God's hand is on you, and you're in His will, 
It really doesn't matter where you are or who's around you. Everybody else can be tanking, but if God says that he wants to bless you, then you better open up your arms, lift up your head, because the windows of heaven are about to be opened up, and God is going to pour out a blessing on you that you don't even have room enough to contain. Because, folks, when God is in it, there is no limit. There is no limit. Aren't you glad to be serving the God who is limitless? Aren't you glad to be serving the kind of God that there's not anything too hard for him? Aren't you glad to be serving the kind of God? Not only can he heal all manner of disease, but he said, I got something even beyond that. He said, I'll reach into your heart. He said, I'll touch your life and I'll save your soul. That thing you can't even see. He said, I can save that thing. What a mighty God we serve kind of reminds me of Solomon when the queen of Sheba came. She wanted to see, uh, prove Solomon and ask a bunch of questions of him. And she wanted to see if everything she'd heard about this, this king of Israel was correct. And the Bible said that Solomon answered all her questions. The Bible said he gave her anything she wanted. She, if she liked something, she said, well, that's nice. He said, well, you can have it. And everything she wanted, she, she got it. And, and when it was all over, Solomon said, you, you, answer, you asked all your questions. She said, yes, I have. She said, I don't have any. The Bible said there was no more spirit left in her. She said, I don't have another question for you. He said, well, is there anything else that you want? She said, no, well, you've given me everything that I could possibly want. And the Bible said, Solomon said, okay, well, well watch this. And he went back and he got to opening up storehouses of treasures that she didn't have any clue existed. She was blown away by the stuff she could see. And Solomon said, if you think that's something, I got stuff back here. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither hath they entered into the heart of man. What God desires for those that... He said, let me just go back here and get you some other stuff. And I'm glad to serve the kind of a God that every once in a while he says, hey, he said, if you think what I've brought you is something else and if you think what I've given you up to this point is amazing he said I've got something back here for you you didn't even know to ask for but I'm going to bless you with it anyway folks when God is in it there is no limit there is no limit and so because God was in it and because God was working all these things for a purpose the Israelites who had numbered a mere 70 when they first came to Egypt They began to grow and multiply and to flourish exceedingly. It was so abundant. It was such rapid growth. That after 400 years had passed, though they had began as 70, they were now numbering several hundreds of thousands. And they were strong. And they were blessed. But a new Pharaoh was now sitting on the throne and The Bible said he knew not Joseph. And this growth that the people of God were experiencing, it scared him to death. He was incredibly fearful of these people that were so tremendously blessed by their God. So he said, we've got to do something to stop them and halt them. So he said, we'll make them slaves. And they did. And he thought that he would burden them. And by burdening them, he would kill their spirit. He made them to build treasure cities. He made them to build things that stand, some of it perhaps even still today. But it didn't work. It could not kill their spirit. Because the Bible says that the more that the Egyptian taskmasters afflicted them, the more, you read it, the more they multiplied and they grew. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you something about this thing we're a part of called the church. I taught about it this morning. Let me tell you about the church. The church thrives in the environment of persecution. I can't explain it. Matter of fact, one of the worst things it seems to me that can happen for the church is to not have anything coming against it. Seems like we get lazy and we get soft and we get lazadaisical when there's nothing coming against it. But when something comes against this church, it causes the people of God to rise up and say, no, we've we've got a God who's for us and he's going to bring us through this. I'm going to tell you some of the greatest songs 
that, that I like to sing. Some of the most wonderful songs, a lot of them were written during the time of slavery here in the United States of America. Gospel music was born in the United States of America when people were enslaved. Something came out of that because there's something in the heart of a person that says, I'm going to get through this with my God. And some people say that's having a crutch in your life. You call it whatever you want. But as for me, I want Jesus. I need Jesus. I desire Jesus. Got to have more of him. So they grew. They multiplied no matter what came against them. Finally, the Pharaoh called in the two head midwives of the Israelites, Shifra and Puah. And he told them, he said, When you are helping the Hebrew women to deliver a child, if when the child is born you see that it's a daughter, you can let it live. But if you see that it is a son that they've given birth to, I want you to kill him. Well, <laughs> these women didn't obey him. Thank God for those who will not transgress against the law of the Lord. And when it became apparent that they were not obeying that command, but that they were indeed saving the male children alive as well, Pharaoh said, all right, I'll get around it another way. And he made an edict. And he charged all of those in his service. His soldiers, all his people, he said, if there is a male child born to the Hebrews, I want you to kill him. And you're going to do that by throwing him into the Nile River. That was the plan that he set in motion. But what he did not account for was the determination of a mother by the name of Jochebed. Folks, I'm going to tell you something today. A mother is in a class all by herself. There is something about a mother that when her child is in danger, something inside of her says, I don't care what I have to do. I don't care who I have to knock upside the head to do it. I don't care who it embarrasses. I'm going to make sure my babies are okay. Is there anybody here that had one of those kind of mothers growing up? Let me tell you a little bit about mine. Since I got the mic this morning. There was some stuff I didn't even want to tell my mom about. I'm not talking about just the bad stuff. It's funny because my wife and I ordered flowers for my mother this weekend. And uh, I wanted, my mother works at the primary school in Gurdon, and so I wanted those delivered to the school. And so I had called and set all that up, and uh, I told my dad, I said, Mom is going to be at the school Friday. He said, yeah, she is. So when she came home and she didn't have any flowers, my dad asked her, he said, did you get the flowers that Kenneth and Erica sent you? And she said, no. He said, well, they sent you some flowers. So she called the school, and they weren't there, and their flower shop's going through a change of ownership, and she called the flower shop. And, uh, oh, yes, we delivered them, Miss O'Connell, and, and all this kind of thing. And at, what it all boiled down to is about 8.30 Friday night, the, the woman from the flower shop showed up at my parents' house, knocked on the door, and brought an arrangement to them. But it was, I won't show you the picture, but it was apparent by the picture that they had not plan this arrangement as they thought they had as they wanted to let on they had and and so uh she mom sent me the picture of it and we were just kind of chuckling about it and uh and mom said she said is this what you paid for and I said no I said we paid a little bit more than that and she said well well I'm gonna call and get this taken care of she said, I don't care about the flowers, but I want you to get a refund. That's, that's my mom. That's my mom. And I told her, I said, Mom, don't worry about it. I said, I said don't worry about it. I said, just let it go. And she said, no, that's not right. That's not right, and they need to take care of this. And, and, uh, and so, long story short, we got it all worked out. But I didn't, even want her to, I didn't even want her to know about it, you know, because it kind of embarrasses me. She, she's going to get it done. I mean, uh, She's just one of those people. If she's got, a, if she's got something in mind, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. That's the kind of mom I have. If you cross her boys, she's like a dog with a bone. She's not going to let go. We're her babies, you know. When I was in the fifth grade, I had a kid jump me from behind on the playground. He hit me in the back of the head, and it was on. 
One thing about being the little guys, and I've said this before, the big guys always want to prove how tough they are is on the little guys. It used to make me so aggravated. My big, bad, tough friends, nobody wanted to mess with them. Y'all wanted to mess with me. And so my dad was not a fan of fighting, and he told me, do everything I could to avoid a fight. He said, but if you have to fight, you might as well win the fight. So he told me a few things, and so dad always said, well, uh, just hold the kids' ears this morning, you know. Dad always said, if that ever happens and, and you've seen there's no way out of it, he said, you turn around and you hit him in the nose as hard as you can. He said, that'll, that'll stop a lot of fights. And so I turned around and I hit him in the nose as hard as I could. And uh, anyways, we fought. And when it was over, I won that fight, by the way. <laughs> when it was over and teachers were pulling me off of him and... and uh, we both got sent to the principal's office. When we got to the principal's office, Mr. Alexander gave us an option. He said, you can have three days of suspension or you can have three licks. What's it going to be? Well, the other kid said, nobody's going to give me licks. And he said, he's going home. And I said, I knew what my parents were going to say. And they didn't want me missing any classes or missing any tests and messing up my grades. So I said, I'll take the licks. And I considered not telling my mom and dad about what happened that day. But when you live in a small town, you had better tell them before somebody else tells them. And Gurdon's not just a small town. It's an itty-bitty town. Everybody knows everybody. So when mom came to pick me up from school, I, I said, Mom, I said, I need to tell you what happened today at school. And uh, one of the reasons I didn't want to tell her, I didn't want to tell her because I didn't want to be in trouble, but I also didn't want to tell her because I knew that <coughs> when she found out that I had acted in self-defense, she was not going to be happy with the way that had been handled. And uh, so I told her what had happened. And I begged her not to get out of the car and go into the school. (laughs) But it went in one ear, it came out the other. And all five foot, zero inches of Nina O'Connell went marching in the principal's office. And uh, when she walked in there, Mr. Alexander looked at her and he said, I've been expecting you, Miss (laughs) O'Connell. My mother asked him, she said, is he telling me, is he, is he being truthful with me? Did he, did he not instigate this fight and he, he was just trying to protect him? He said, that's true. She said, well, then let me ask you, what would you have done if you were in his shoes? He said, well, I, I'd have done the exact same thing Kenneth did, Miss O'Connell, but the rules are clear and I have to follow the handbook. And she told him what she thought about the handbook and... <laughs> and as she walked... <laughs> As she walked out the door, he, t- he told her, he said, Miss O'Connell, please tell Kenneth that I said, way to go. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's the kind of mom I had. She got to the bottom of stuff. And to this day, she is always looking out for me as yesterday and this weekend proves. And there may be a lot of things I wonder about in this life, but whether or not my mother has my back is not one of them. And that's the kind of mother that Moses had. She said, if you think that I'm going to let them come in here and take my son and throw him in a river that is infested with crocodiles, you're several fries short of a Happy Meal because that's not going to happen. And I know it's going to be a struggle, but I'm not going to let my boy go without a fight. So she hit him for three months. But babies get loud after a while. She realized she wouldn't be able to hide him very much longer in their house So the Bible says that she took an ark of bulrushes and she began to prepare it to become the means of saving her boy. Here's what the Bible said. The Bible said she went to that ark and she began to daub it. She began to daub it. This is the best thing I could find to daub stuff with. She she began to get the tar and the slime, the Bible said. And she started daubing that ark. Everywhere that there was any kind of a hole or an opening in it, she said, I'm going to daub this 
I'm going to make sure it's covered up really, really well. Because I don't want any water from the river to get inside of the ark that I'm preparing for my boy. If he's going to be saved, no water can get inside of this ark. Because if the water gets in the ark, it's going to cause the ark to sink and he'll drown. So I got to do everything I can to keep the water out of the ark. You'll find that in the Bible, there's a lot of references to water. And a lot of times it can mean different things. But one of the things that it means in the Bible is when you begin to be overwhelmed by something or overcome by something. It's kind of like the world coming in. And so I can appreciate what Jochebed was doing that day because she was saying, here's the plan. I don't want what is out there to get in here. Because if some of the things that are out there get in here, it'll cause my baby to drown. And it's just not going to happen like that. So she said, I'll do everything I can to keep the world out of my baby's ark. So she began to put something on there that would keep the world out. I want to preach right now to every mother in this room and tell you, thank you, mothers, for every time you've put some tar on the ark, for every time you put a little bit more mud on it, and you said, no, this isn't about me trying to keep you from having fun. This is just about me trying to keep the world out of your ark because I don't want this world to get inside of this thing that I'm trying to use to save you and cause you to die. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I may sound like an old preacher this morning, but I'm going to tell you this morning, we need mothers in 2015. Lord, how we need mothers who will say, I'll do everything I need to do to make sure that the world does not cause my child to die. I'm going to do everything I can to keep the world out and keep them safe inside. I understand that you can't protect your child from everything. I understand there's going to be some things that are going to hit them no matter what you do. But mama, please, 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 would you do everything that you can to make sure that there's not a bunch of water getting inside of that ark that causes your baby to be drowned by worldliness and things that they don't have any business being a part of. Would you help us moms with that? Would you please, would you please care enough for your children to say, no, there's some things we're not going to watch in this house. Well, it's Mother's Day at Sanctuary Church and the pastor's going to go ahead and get a little bit, going to get out there a little bit. But y'all just go along for the ride this morning. This is not just about us patting each other and telling us how wonderful we are this morning. This is about, let's say, take care of our babies. Take care of our babies. (laughs) there's some things, there are some things, there's some stuff, it doesn't have any business getting inside of this ark. Some of the junk that is going on, that is being pushed at us now, it has no business being inside of this ark. Some of the things that's on television, it doesn't have any business being inside of this ark. Some of the books that can be read, they don't have any business being inside of this ark. Some of the internet sites that are out there that are way too easy to get to, they don't have any business being inside of this ark. And, and our kids can look at their mother and say she's being extreme if they want to. But I'd rather have a mother for my children that says, no, I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep that junk out of here. You're going to have to deal with it one of these days. But I'll try to protect you as long as I can. As long as I can. Mothers, we need you to dob that ark. We need you to make sure that the water of this world is not getting inside of it. You're going to make that ark look ugly, ma'am, if you keep doing that. Ugly. Ugly. Who cares if it's ugly? I'm not trying to make it pretty. I'm trying to make it float. I'm not trying to make an ark that everybody will come by and say, wow, isn't that some nice ark? I'm just trying to put my baby in something that when I have to put it in that river, I know that that water's not going to get inside of it. So I wish this morning there'd be a mother at Sanctuary Church. 
I know I sound old-fashioned right now. I know I'm preaching old-fashioned right now, but it feels kind of good. I wish there'd be a mother at Sanctuary Church this morning that says, I don't care what anybody else has to say about it. I don't care what society says about it. I don't care what the folks at work say about it. There's some things that we're going to do in our house because we're not trying to get our kids just anywhere. We're trying to get our kids to heaven, and there's some things we're going to do, and everybody else may not like it, and everybody else may try to float and something a little less seaworthy that's their business but in this house it's not gonna be that way it's not gonna be that way it used to be are y'all okay this morning y'all gonna let me just kind of go down this path for just a minute longer it used to be that it you know we were arguing about different things on on standards of dress and all that and what was appropriate and what was not appropriate and we argued about all that stuff for years and 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 now it seems like you've got Christians who who said that some of the stuff wasn't very important now you've got some of them going and they're saying well some of the stuff i see uh youth group i'm not i'm just, are y'all okay this morning I'm trying to be real careful here. I don't want to be offensive. But some of the things, I, I, I go sometimes to get food, and I, and I pulled up to a particular place before, and there'd be a, a, a junior, seventh graders or something like that, junior high girls doing some, bringing food to cars, trying to make a little money. And I thought, what mother let her daughter go out of the house dressed like that? Just a kid, just a kid. And they're trying to, 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 to look seductive. Boy, I don't know I'd go all here this morning. Trying to look seductive and trying to, trying to, to, to give a presentation that no child should be giving. And I'm saying, where are the mothers? Where's, I'm, not, I'm not talking about Pentecostal even, folks. I'm just talking about modesty in general. Where are the mothers who will stand up and say, we've got some things we want to protect. There's some things that are too important. And I'm not going to let this world get inside of your ark. It's not going to happen on my watch. I'm praying God raises up that kind of a Jochebed mother in sanctuary church that says we'll do whatever it takes, but we're going to make sure our babies are saved. Going to make sure our babies are saved. I believe she made that ark as comfortable as she could. If she was anything like a mother... I guarantee you she went and she got some nice, comfortable batting. And she said, let's put this in here because I know inside this thing it can, it can poke you and it can pinch you and it can hurt. So I'm going to put something in here that's going to allow you to not feel all of that and, and you'll be a little more comfortable. And she put that cushion in the bottom. And then uh, she, she said, let's get that blanket because it may get a little chilly out on the water. She said, let's get a blanket. Let's put that blanket in there over you. Because I want you to be as comfortable as I can possibly make you. I want you to just be as comfortable as I can get you to be inside of that ark. I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable. I want you to be comfortable. So I'm going gonna, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna to do everything I can to make it as comfortable as I possibly can. But I'm not going to make it so comfortable that I start putting a whole bunch of stuff in there that's going to weigh that ark down and cause it to sink. Mothers, there's nothing wrong with our kids having hobbies and interests and being involved in things and activities. They need that. That's good for them. I'm for all of that. Uh, I, 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 they need to be kids. They need to have fun. But there's a difference between letting kids be kids and loading their ark down with stuff that has the potential one day to drown them. And it bothers me. It bothers me. If you're a guest here today, I hope I, you come back on another Sunday and I'll make us all shout. And we'll, okay? But it bothers me when I see parents putting things inside their kid's ark. They think it's a comfort. What It really just boils down to being what Paul said. He said to wait. And it's, it's just like a rock they're putting in here. Well, it's not a big deal if we miss church to go do this. Well, it's not a big deal if, if, it's not a big deal if, if, 
if we, if we teach our kids not to give financially to the kingdom of God because we're going to put it in something else here for them to have here, that's not a big deal. These things don't matter. Folks, I'm going to tell you this morning. I'm going to tell you this morning. You better be careful what you're putting inside of that ark. Because you think it's comfortable. And some of it is and some of it's okay. But there's a line somewhere. You better find that line between your comforting your child and you weighing that child down to the point where they don't ever have a chance they can't ever have a chance to make it because they got so tied down and bogged down in the things of this world I have no problem with some of that when I was a kid I I loved baseball I loved baseball and I played baseball and I, I fancied myself to be pretty good I wasn't going to the major leagues or anything I wasn't like that but I thought I was pretty good and and my parents, my dad told me, he said, you can play, Kenneth. He said, but I'm going to tell you, this is the way it's going to be. You cannot miss any church function to do that. You're just not going to miss a church function to do that. I said, okay. And, and this was the way it was in my house. I'm not telling you how you have to do it. I'm just, I'm preaching to you how my Jochebed and my Amram were, okay? And, 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 and there were some times that I had to call in and say, I can't come to the game, coach. I, there, there's a youth rally I'm supposed to go to. I can't go to the game, coach. We've got Bible study night. I'm supposed to be there. And, and, and it got to the point, if you missed the game, you rode the bench the next game. That's the way it was. And so I was missing games, and I was riding the bench, and I finally said, this thing's not worth it. I just quit. I love baseball. I have no problem with your kids being involved in stuff. But I have no problem at all with the fact that my parents taught me that there is a priority in my life that is above any sport I've ever been involved in, that is above any other activity I've ever had. It's above hunting. It's above fishing. It's above. All. It's called the kingdom of God. And I don't regret for one moment that my parents said, we're going to put something inside of you that says the kingdom of God is worth so much more than all of these other things because all that other stuff's going to pass away and all that other stuff's going to fade away but the kingdom of God it's going to stand forever I'm glad to be a part of that thing that's going to stand forever I know a family I know a family the mother of which told my mother-in-law she said, she said, here's the way it is. She said, it's just too hard. It's too hard to, to, to ask my girls to live for God. Young girls, young girls. She said, it's too hard to ask my girls to live for God. And so we're not going to do that to them. She tried to make it too comfortable. And, and there's results of all of those things today. It's results of all of that stuff today. Moms, make that art comfortable. But moms, don't do it to the point. That your child gets weighed down by all the stuff that you've helped them add over the years. Amen. After she'd done all that she could, she placed him in the water. And she said, Lord, it's up to you now. It's up to you now. I want to help a mother today. Perhaps who's been beating herself up over and over and over. Saying, what did I do wrong? Or where did I mess up? And, and, and how did I get this thing wrong in, in the things that I did? If you raised your child to love the Lord, if you raised your child and you taught them the principles and the precepts of the word of God, I'm going to tell you something today. It's time for you to put them in God's hands. When Jochebed went home that day, I'm sure the very first thing she did was hit her knees, cry her eyes out, and pray like she'd never prayed before. Anybody think that's probably true? But it was out of her hands now. And mother, it may be out of your hands now. I'm going to tell you, you've just got to trust God. And you've got to trust the way that you raised them. Go ahead and hit your knees. Cry your eyes out. Pray without ceasing. But give them to God. Because God has a way of delivering all of us that we can't even imagine. And God's going to do his part to make sure your children have every opportunity to be saved. It doesn't mean that they won't make mistakes. And in this church, we do not give people a hard time that have made mistakes. It doesn't mean that they won't fall down. In this church, we try to help pick them back up. And it doesn't mean that they won't ever grieve your heart.
It doesn't mean the road won't have its share of ups and downs, that it won't be rocky. But it does mean that Jesus is going to be there all along the way with them, saying, hey, Moses, come on, Moses, follow me. You can do this, Moses. Get up again, Moses. Come on, you can make it, Moses. And that's what he's saying to my kids, and that's what he's saying to your kids. Come on, Asher. Come on, Asher, you're going to make it. But I fell down, Dad. That's okay, the Lord's telling you. Come on, you're going to do this. You're going to make it through this thing. And some of you have been so worried about yours, but I'm going to tell you that Jesus is going to be there for them. And any time they want to look toward Him, He's over there saying, Come on, come on, come on, come on. Thank you, Mother, for building an ark for your kid and trusting them to the hand of the Lord. And when those days come that your heart is heavy and it seems that there are no more words or tears that are even left and the future has you scared to death, I've got two things for you. One, I want to tell you this, fight for your kids. Fight for your kids. It used to embarrass me the way my mom fought for me. I love it now. (laughs) I do, I love it. I think it's great. I do the same thing for my kids. I'd act like a fool for him if I needed to. I'd act crazy. (laughs) Do whatever I need to. Make sure that things are right in his life. So fight for your kids. How do you fight for them? I tell you the best way. You pray and you fast. And every time you pray for your children, every time you fast, every time you go to the Lord in prayer and you pick up that armor of God and you wield that sword of the Spirit, you may not see it in your natural eye, but you're pushing back the enemy and you're causing him, get away from my kids. You're not going to have my daughter. You're not going to have my son. Go ahead, mama. Fight. Fight. Get crazy about it. Do whatever you've got to do. That's why, that is why. That the Lord said there was a sound heard in Bethlehem. It was the sound of a mother weeping for her child. Because there's something about a mother who's really in, who's really hungry to see her kid saved. There's something about a mother. She's not embarrassed of anything. She'll lift up her voice and cry out to God for them. There's something about a praying mother, and I'm thankful for our praying mothers today. The second, the first is fight for your kids. The second is this, Mom. Love your kids. Love them. Love them unconditionally. I know you don't need to be told that, but I want to say it anyway. Love them unconditionally. Let them know that you'll always be there for them. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter where they go. It doesn't matter if you agree with it. If you disagree with it, you're going to love them anyway. There's nothing that could cause you to quit loving them. There's nothing that could cause you to quit uh, caring about them. That's just that's just part of it. You're going to always love your babies and let them know how much you love them. You wrap them up. You make those little boys that that, that don't don't want to sit still for a minute and they just run and by and, and and you just let them be, come running by one day and you reach out and grab them by the arm and you pull them close and you just hug on them. You tell them how much you love them. And when they go to school and they mess up and they, they embarrass themselves and you and, and you have to get, go down there. And, and some of y'all probably never had to do that. It's just my parents maybe. Uh, you got to go down to school and you got to deal with some embarrassment. You let them know, I'm disappointed, but I love you just as much today as I did yesterday. And as I did the day you were born, you let them know how much you love them. And moms, if you'll fight for them and if you will love them, I'm telling you that God's got a way of working things out. And I'm believing God to allow his word to come to pass. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm believing that's going to come to pass. Would you clap your hands and give the Lord praise? (laughs) Jochebed didn't have a clue. Didn't have a clue what God's intention was for her son. She didn't know. She hadn't had an angel come tell her what God was going to do with Moses. She did not save Moses because she knew he would be the deliverer of Israel and that I and so many others would be preaching about her today. She did it for one reason only. She did it because she was a mother. And that's what mothers do. They do anything and everything to save their babies. 
And I wonder this morning if there are any women here, mothers, both natural and spiritual, who say that's the way I feel about it. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that the babies that God has allowed me to raise in the babies of this church and maybe those that are come on in years a little bit, but they need that mother figure in their life. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure they're saved and that they live for God. I wonder if there's any mother this morning, if we could stand together, all of us. I wonder if there are any women here today who would come to the front of this church this morning and make a declaration saying, I will build my child an ark. I'll do whatever I've got to do to build my child an ark. I'll put the mud on it. I'll put the tar on it. I'll make it as comfortable as I possibly can for them. I'm going to allow them to have fun. I'm going to allow them to be a kid. But I'm going to, they're going to have priorities in their life. At the, I'll do anything I have to, but I'm going to build my child an ark so that they can be saved. Are there any mothers here today that you feel that way about motherhood? And you say, I want to see my kids saved. I wonder this morning, ladies, would you step out from where you are? Would you make your way to the front of this church? And would you come making a declaration to the Lord saying, God, I want you to know that's the kind of mother that I'm going to be. That's the kind of mother that I'm going to be. I'm going to make sure my babies, I'm going to make sure my babies have an ark going to make sure my babies have an ark. Thank you, mothers. Thank you, mothers. Thank you, mothers. Now, I wonder if the rest of you, I wonder if the rest of you would reach your hands toward them this morning and you would begin to pray for them. Could we pray for these wonderful ladies? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for strength for them.